Galatians chapter 1, please. Wow, we could just keep lost in this spirit, couldn't we? Uh, please, if you will, chapter 1, verse number 6. I will read and you follow along either in your own text or perhaps you'd like to look at the screen. The Apostle Paul says in verse 6, I marvel that you are turning away so soon from him who called you in the grace of Christ to a different gospel, which is not another, but there are some who trouble you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you than what we have preached to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again. If anyone preaches any other gospel to you than what you have received, let him be accursed. For do I now persuade man or God? Or do I seek to please man? For if I still pleased man, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. Verse 11, But I have made known to you, brethren, that the gospel which was preached by me is not according to man. For I neither received it from man, nor was I taught it. But it came through the revelation of Jesus Christ. Would you point your hands in my direction? Would you offer me a few seconds of your prayers, please? Out of your own mouth and your own heart, would you? Just pray that God would make us one at the Word. Father, I can add nothing to this anointing. Anything that I would do in my flesh would only diminish. But I pray that you would add to the anointing and you would add to and sisters, everyone here. Oh God, I pray that the hearer, Lord, would have ears to hear what the Spirit would say to the church and mind to understand and a heart and will to obey. I pray that you'd make our heart and our, and our spirit, Lord, tender and receptive to the Word. It would be good ground. And I pray that you would impart me even greater skill and ability and anointing that my flesh affords. Oh God, I pray there'd be less of me, as John the Baptist says, there'd be less of me and more of Jesus, that I would decrease and you would increase. And Lord, I pray that our words would not be sounding brass or tinkling cymbals, but our words would be words given to us by the Lord that would be bread, meat, and life, because such is your word. And if you agree, would you say amen? And amen it is. And you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. You might, if you will, keep your Bibles open to this reference in Galatians chapter 1. And I have come to this place in, in this journey of seeking the mind of God and the will of God for every service and seasons of our church life and seasons of our nation and our world. To have the Holy Spirit impress upon my heart to speak to you for the next few Sundays on this thought, counterfeit Christianity. I want to give you a little illustration to help me to, to pave the way. It's secular, but it's relevant. On some occasions, I have the opportunity to see portions of, or maybe the entire television show that's called Pawn, P-A-W-N, Stars. You ever seen it? I said P-A-W-N, not P-O-R-N, so it's okay to raise. You ever seen porn stars? I have to clarify that as a preacher because I don't want you to think i got a secret life. P-A-W-N, with emphasis on. And so it, it is, of course, a program of what you would associate with a porn shop, 
Okay? It is a place like a reality TV setting where a, a, a father, a son, and another son, uh, meaning a father who, uh, and a son, a grandfather, son, and son. Okay, you get, they run this business and, and it's, it's pretty uh, much uh, busy and uh, very active with a variety of uh, options of which the owner says you never know what will come walking in the store. And people come walking into the store with items that they want to pawn or they want to sell. Items that they believe to be of significant value and uh, sometimes they get to the store and they find out that what they wanted for a thousand dollars may not be worth fifty. Or sometimes they they figure out what I might want for five hundred dollars may be actually worth five thousand dollars. And such the negotiation kind of goes back and forth. So sometimes the uh, seller does very well and uh, other times they don't. And, And this one occasion, however... The owner of the store was presented by a potential uh, customer, a book, a baseball book on the life of Shoeless Joe Jackson. And uh, the seller of the book, and you might have seen it, and if you do uh, follow with me, the, the seller of the book says that the book was personally autographed, authentically autographed by Shoeless Joe Jackson himself, who came into the baseball world in the early 1900s. Uh, and uh, and had some controversy around his life in, in his baseball career. However, shoeless Joe Jackson was not known to be literate in the sense of the ability to write. There were those, however, who taught him how to write his name, and as a result, he could autograph baseball paraphernalia. It is said of shoeless Joe Jackson that he was sensitive of his inability to write, uh, and so that uh, he tried to protect himself. And when the team would go to a restaurant before or after a game, he would get the menu, but not knowing how to read it, he would listen to how his baseball buddies would order. And if he liked what they ordered, he'd pretend to have read it on the menu and order it. You know, we all have ways of getting around stuff. And it wasn't a sin, but it just didn't want to be sensitive, draw attention to his illiteracy. And so... He was taught how to write his name, though not very smooth and and very uh, uh, clear. It was his autograph, his signature. The book then was, uh, the customer said that he did his background research, he did the internet, he did whatever, had the book in the family a long time, and it would be worth $30,000, $30,000. Well, the owner of the store is a very learned man. And if you've seen the show for any uh, bit of time, he seems to have knowledge on every subject that presents itself by way of merchandise to be changed or exchanged or sold. So the the owner, being very confident, uh, most occasions, however, will call in an expert and tell the seller, leave the gun here, leave the book here, leave the item here, whatever it is. I'm gonna, I've got a buddy of mine, and we'll call him in, and we'll have him check it out and see if it's really authentic. And if it is, we'll then we'll, we'll dicker and, and come to terms. But the owner at this point thought, wow, you know, this is really authentic. I know so much about baseball myself, and it's authentic. I look at the signature, etc. And, and he says, no, I'm not going to give you $30,000 for it because I need to make something on it. Uh, but, but let's start at 10000 So they started at 10000 They finally negotiated to $13,000 cash. The seller would sell it for $13,000 to the owner of the porn stop, uh, store. 
forth. And uh, then, of course, the potential of the owner would be to make up to $30,000. Well, uh, he was so excited about it, he uh, went back to his other buddies. The, the owner of the store went to his father, went to his son, others. Look what I got. Look at the potential. Shoeless Joe Jackson. But they asked him, did you do the homework? Did you call the research person in? Did you call the expert? Well, I know enough about this. I can handle this. And, and I'm telling you, this is worth something. Uh, and they started calling him some names over which the television had to bleep uh, and, uh, you know, make sure that we didn't get that. After they did the research, it took a little week, it took a little time. He sent it off to experts. Uh, a letter came back in the mail returning the book that had been thoroughly researched. And, and we, are, we are saddened to inform you that we cannot in- authenticate this book as being signed by Shoeless Joe Jackson. We believe that it's a counterfeit. We believe it's not authentic. We, we do not believe the signature is real. While the signature has some semblance of Shoeless Joe Jackson, what this book is really worth is 50 bucks. Five oh dollars. He is out, what, 12,950 bucks. Is that correct, math? And here is this guy that's not going to sleep for a lot of nights. And who, what, what doofus will he get to buy this book even at 50 bucks? And so what he has been uh, uh, the victim of is counterfeit. A lie. He has been a hoodwinked. Can I get a witness here, somebody? I, I give you that illustration to tell you that even though that is in the realm of merchandise, we are living in a day and generation where that kind of thinking as it relates to Christianity and the gospel have seeped itself into the kingdom of God and into many churches and into our culture. Ours is a day of rapid change. Wouldn't you agree? New words and the redefinition of existing words emerge every day on the scene. Ours is a day of changing values driven by our culture, the media, politics, and yes, even the church. Hear me as I introduce the series of lessons. Let me tell you this. Though some words remain the same, the meaning can change based on those doing the interpretation. Can I get another witness here? Now, to lose 12950 bucks is a lot of money because somebody counterfeit or hoodwink you. But when you deal with Christianity, when you deal with Christ, when you deal with the Word of God, when you deal with Calvary, you are dealing with your soul. And no amount of money can be put to the value of the soul of a man or woman or boy or girl. Therefore, it behooves us in this 20th century living... And this age of a changing culture and mentality to know in whom we believe and to know what we believe and why we believe. So it could be said of us that Jesus Christ will never leave us nor forsake us. So I come to say to you this morning as I begin this series of lessons, this word Christian is no exception to being targeted by people who have a different agenda other than the Word of the Lord. I can tell you after growing up in the church all of my life, I can tell you after spending over 30 years in ministry, 27 years as a pastor, I have seen the repeated attempts, sometimes successful, at redefining Christians or Christianity. There are today, as you know, categories of Christians. 
There are various words, brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, that are placed in front of the word Christian or behind the word Christian that suggests to us options about Christianity that is not true of biblical Christianity. So we hear words like secular Christians, carnal Christians. That, that, that's an oxymoron. Emphasis on moron. We, we, we hear the words politically correct Christians, contemporary Christians. And there are people who want to fit in, who will use Christian in just about anything. But it would be so far removed from authentic Christianity. Now, this is not a new problem for the church. It's quite evident in our text. Such is what Paul addresses in his letter to the church at Galatia. And I want to deal with this series of lessons by, by calling it counterfeit Christianity. And I want, to, I want to give you reasons why the Holy Spirit has led me to this place. So that we know we're not just here to beat the wind and just hear ourselves talk. I, I want to tell you that the Lord never visits us without a purpose. The Lord never gives us words without making those words helpful to us. The devil may have a course for our lives, but God has a better path. And, and he wants to keep us on the straight and narrow. I will tell you that the Spirit says to me that we need to deal with this subject about counterfeit Christianity because of the present condition of Christianity in America and in the world. Can I get an amen here? There are churches now who gladly advertise, this is not your grandmother's church. And I think I know what they're saying. They're probably saying we're a little different, a little more contemporary. But I'm also saying if it was good enough for your grandma, I think it's good enough for you too. There's some things that never change. And now we use certain slant on ad campaigns. I get them all the time from churches who want to be contemporary, who run their ad campaigns at the risk of being counterfeit. Can I get an amen? And I want to tell you, I don't believe that South Metro Ministry is the only church going to heaven. I don't believe that we are the only gospel preaching church. But I'm telling you that, that we are a diminishing breed of a congregation that believe that the whole Bible is the Word of God. It's inspired by God. It's God-breathed all the way from Genesis 1 to Revelation last. And Jesus said, if any man add to it or take from it, he will do the same to them. And so because of the condition of Christianity in America, it behooves us to talk about true Christianity. And then there are influencers in our culture and our world that speak to us sometimes from the agenda of self-proclaimed experts. We've got people in Hollywood, talk shows, entertainment. There are people in academia, universities, colleges, even theological seminaries who attempt to influence our thinking and our doing. And thank God for students and academia, and there are really people who are experts. But it behooves you and I to know who they are and where they're from, 
and what they believe. And are they really using this book or are they using something else? Can I get an amen? If you are going to the doctor and you have a physical ailment, you want to be sure that you are not his first patient. Can I get an amen? If you are flying on an airplane from Georgia, Atlanta to Los Angeles, California, you want to be sure that this is not the pilot's maiden flight. Can I get an amen, somebody? I, I want to tell you, if you have a legal matter, you want to be sure that this attorney didn't buy his certificate on the internet. Oh, I'm just trying to introduce this. And some of us just take stuff because of a television show or preacher. Some of us just take stuff because it tickles our fancy or it's wrapped around some joke from somewhere. Oh, I feel a whoop glory coming. The Bible says, study to show thyself approved unto God. Can I get an amen? The, the Bible says for us to be ready to give a defense for what we believe. And so thank God for influencers and thinkers. But you, pardon me for being crude, but there are some stinking thinking going on out there from which you should stay away. The Holy Spirit would have me draw attention to this study because of the pressures of political correctness. You and I are facing it all the time. Political correctness. And in the series of this, this lesson, I will speak to you more about that. The Spirit would say to me that we need to talk about authentic Christianity because of the closeness of the coming of the Lord. Oh, give me an amen, somebody. I'm telling you, uh, uh, I know we don't hear a lot about the second coming of the Lord like we used to in yesteryear, but God hasn't changed His mind, okay? All you have, you don't really need a theological discourse every Sunday on the coming of the Lord. Just read Matthew 24 and then put the newspaper in your hand. Can I get an amen and see what the signs are? Give me an amen. Just read the book of Daniel and uh, some references in Daniel. And then pick up the, the daily news and see that you know that we are coming to the end of this age. And so I say to you that in the last days there will, and I will quote that in a moment, but there will be a great falling away from the faith. And so because we're coming to the end of this age and ushering a new age, you need not be deceived. And I hasten to tell you the condition of the church. It, it, it is closely connected to number one. But the condition of the church in America and the world helps us to understand why we need to stay the course. Can I get an amen, somebody? Uh, in other words, we are not to allow the world to come into the church and change our thinking just because the majority votes on a certain moral issue and they pass it in about six or eight states. And just because it's endorsed by a secular society, if it is against the word of God, we will answer to God one day, every one of us individually. I'd rather be a friend of God than a friend of the world. The condition of the church. And, and I hasten to give you the sixth point for why I believe the Lord says to our hearts that we need to revisit. We have a whole new generation in America now. 
that have come up under a kind of Christianity that looks quite different from biblical Christianity. Can, can I get an amen here, somebody? We, we, we got a culture now in America. We got a smorgasbord of churches. You can go just about wherever you want to. And if you don't want to hear one thing, you won't. And if you want to hear more of another thing, you will. Can, can I get a witness, somebody? All of these things I hope to address in our time together. Back it up one slide for me. All of these things I hope to address in our series. But let me, let me give you the scripture in 1 Timothy 4 and 1. If everybody's still with me, say amen. Here's another sense of urgency I feel. Now the Spirit, meaning the Spirit of God, capital S. Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, that's the time you and I are living in. The Spirit expressly says that in the latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. We are already there, church. And, and I, I want to I discern. You, you, if you care about your children, and I believe you do, you care about your grandchildren, you are constantly screening and praying through God. Lord, guard them from the wrong crowd. Guard them from the wrong group. Guard them from the wrong music. Guard them from the wrong values. Can I say, can I get an amen? When they get on the bus and they go to school, guard them from the wrong things. When they get on the school, God, they got their own iPad. They got their own cell phone. They have their own access to the internet. Can I get a witness here? Uh, God, keep them from pornography. Keep them from illicit sex. If you love your children, you do anything for them. Can I get an amen? And I tell you what, if you love your children, wait till your grandchildren come. Like Valerie and I feel now, we have one grandchild. On many occasions, we don't believe that JC and Kimberly are quite qualified to raise up Lakeland, you know, uh, because we're so guarded. You ever had, you ever, you you ever grew up under your parents and your parents, you know, they were really hard on you. But when, when your children came along, they're really soft on your children. Did you ever say that? Uh, because they want to guard. And I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, this is not a game. Our soul is eternal. There is a real place called heaven, and there's a real place called hell. And the Bible says that we would shun hell and run the race to get to heaven. And only those who are washed in the blood of the Lamb have a living relationship with Jesus Christ and know Him and love Him will inherit eternal life. If you believe it, give the Lord some praise. So for the time I have left, let me talk to you about, about this, this particular concern. Counterfeit Christianity is the name of the series, but let me, let me spend some moments with you on biblical Christianity versus cultural Christianity. And for me to take us there, I need to define what cultural Christianity is. And I can begin the definition by telling you that cultural Christianity is a religion of symbolic devotion. Cultural Christianity... Is hollow, meaningless, futile, empty, just a few words. But Jesus, because he is who he is, does a far better job of defining cultural Christianity than any of his predecessors. And this is what he said in Matthew 15, 8 and 9. It's on the screen. These people... Draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips. 
but their heart is far from me. I feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. And in vain, they worship me, teaching as doctrine the commandments of men. I want to tell you, in just a few brief statements, what cultural Christianity really looks like. And again, this is, this is an introduction. I think if I could give you a few prepared phrases, sentences, it'll put us on the same page. It'll open our eyes to why I sense the urgency of this word. Cultural Christianity is when our government leaders do their best to outlaw the very mention of God's name, but are quick to use His name or quote scriptures in times of national tragedy for political expediency. That's cultural Christianity. Now, now you understand that we are building a building and a church And I need all the givers we can have. But you understand that I respectfully thank God for your being here. And he sent you here. But you need to understand that my boss is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. You need to understand I'm not here to offend you. I'm not here to run you off. But Paul says, did did you hear what he says? Paul says in verse 10 of our text, Do I now persuade man or God? Or do I seek to please man? For if I still please man, I would would not be a bondservant of Jesus Christ. Let me say to you, I understand the cultural diversities of South Metro Ministries. I prayed you in. You understand? The first Sunday I came to pastor here, there was 39 people in church, okay? Our membership now is 1290. So I pray you in here, okay? I'm not trying to run you off, but you are living in the same America that I'm living in, okay? And this is not about, this is not about your political agenda or my agenda. This is about counterfeit Christianity. In the Democratic National Convention this past week, they voted on whether or not they should include the name of God in their platform and voted on whether or not they should include the city of Jerusalem as being the capital city of the nation of Israel. I'm here to tell you somebody that it's not the Democrat, nor the Republican, nor the Independent's business to vote on what God has already confirmed in His Word to be His Word. I don't care if you're a liberal, independent, Democrat, or Republican. God's Word is eternally fixed and no man, no preacher, no president, no mayor has any right to vote on what God God says in His Word. So when our government uses Jesus and God and the Bible only when it's convenient and not because they fear Him or love Him or serve Him, that's cultural Christianity. Cultural Christianity is when mainstream religious denominations, i.e. the Methodist Church, a branch of it, i.e. the Presbyterian Church, the branch of it. Not pretty generic preaching, is it? I.e. the Episcopal Church.
cultural Christianity is when mainstream religious denominations have to hold meetings and conferences to determine if issues such as homosexuality are compatible with scripture and biblical teaching. Things that God has settled forever in no uncertain terms. That's cultural Christianity. What? Who gives us a right to take this word and conveniently transform it to fit our warped desires and passion? Cultural Christianity. You may not get the rest of the series, but I can give it all in a nutshell now. Please. May God... There are people I know and love dearly who are practicing the homosexual lifestyle or the lesbian lifestyle. I don't hate them. I will not curse them or swear. If they say, Pastor, I'm in the hospital. I need prayer. I'm coming if I can. Pastor, I want to come to this church and learn more. You come on if you want. Okay? You know, what I... I'm not just targeting them, but it is, it is a large national issue. This thing of same-sex marriage. This thing of redefining marriage. Can I get a witness from here, somebody? Transgender kind of stuff. Okay? And I'm here to tell you that, that you are welcome here, but God has no church in America that He can bless that is pastored by an open gay or homosexual quote-unquote pastor. Do you understand? If homosexuals, lesbians, adulterers, fornicators, thieves, liars, and cheat won't help, some of which we were. Yeah, Paul said, that was some of us. I feel a what? Going. That that was some of us. You know? You know, uh, oh God, you're praying, Pastor. You're praying, Pastor. Do you know... That a drowning man can't save a drowning man. If you're worried about that, go jump in the lake and let's see how it works out. I, I'm telling you that a liar don't need a liar to tell him how to live right. An adulterer don't need an adulterer to keep practicing adultery to tell him how to get to heaven. Both need to repent. Okay? So, I'm saying, America! Does not need a devil-worshipping church. There are devil-worshippers in America. And there are churches in America, supposedly, that are supposed to be pastored by devil-worshippers. That is not Christianity. That is not of God. I'm not here to make you mad. Just go do your homework. But be sure when you call up the internet, you have a Bible beside you. Okay? Be sure you have a Bible beside you. And be sure it's not the New World Translation of Jehovah's Witness. And be sure it's not uh, Joseph Smith's Mormon Translation. Uh, 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 Am I ruffling any feathers yet or do I need to keep going here a little bit? Some of us don't even know what we believe. We blow in and out with every wind of doctrine. But Paul says, this gospel that I preach wasn't given to me by some man or some revelation of somebody else. Or as today is known as the internet, this gospel I preach was given to me by Jesus Christ himself. Help me preach. Give a Lord a hand clap. I don't mean to make you mad. 
Somebody wrote a book in 1988 of 88 reasons why Jesus is coming back in 88. Here we are, still here. Somebody told us at the turn of the century, year 2000, Y2K. You remember Y2K? I remember it. We still got groceries from it, do we? Sorry. Uh, uh, a little bit. A little bit flesh. She said, she said, but I do know we got the Coleman Lantern and we still got, uh, we got about, well, be careful. (laughs) And I said that humorously because I even had a sermon on, on Y2K, the Christians, Christians response to Y2K. Here we are still here. You know, you got to measure everything. By this word. You, 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 teaching doctrines of men as commandments of, of God. And look at your neighbor and say, he's still in the introduction. I'm going to wrap it up here in a moment. Here's cultural Christianity. This comes home. I don't mean to be offensive. I just need to be truthful. It's about me too. It's about me too. Cultural Christianity is when we professing Christians spend hour upon hour watching the garbage and filth that Hollywood produces. Yet we spend just minutes in prayer and Bible study. Just moments. That's called, you know, when we can text everybody on our address, email everybody and respond to everybody. We can look at all this this. Do you know that most television is not fit for viewing? You know, when we could spend all this time doing so, and we, things we have to do for our own edification. Boy, and a storm blowing, and we don't even know a scripture that we can quote. Can I get an amen? I, I don't mean an offense here, and the person may be in the service. I don't mean an offense, but a, a precious lady going through a storm. A storm of not the weather, but a storm of emotions, marriage, ex, etc. Right there in the hall, said to me on Wednesday night, Pastor, I don't know how to pray. I don't, I don't know how to pray. And again, this is not using to exploit her inability to know how. But I, I got the idea that she didn't know how to pray because she hadn't made it a practice. Can, can somebody hear me here? Cultural Christianity is dial a prayer. When you got, there are some prayers that your mama can't pray it like you need to pray it. Because she didn't do what you did. There are some, there are some prayers, your preacher, your, your, your best friend, or your, there's, there's some things that only come by travail and groaning. The Bible says there's some prayers that the Spirit pray through us through moaning and groaning. And, and even through even a different language on occasion that the devil can't understand. Can I get an amen? 
And I'm saying to you, look, give God better than equal time. Can I get an amen, church? We, God tells us to give 10% of our income. It's called the tithe. But I really believe He wants us to give at least 10% of our time and our talents. Can I get an amen here? Cultural Christianity just showing up every uh, Sunday every once in a while on Mother's Day or somebody's funeral or Christmas Day or just to look nice. Can I get another amen? I'm not going to call names unless I get some strong amens. But uh, the fact of the matter is, uh, but, you know, oh, help me, Jesus. So, here's how Paul says it. Paul says, come to the music, my brother. You know, you have him come to the music, it makes you think I'm closing. <laughs> Galatians 1, 6 and 7. I like the New Living Translation of this. And here's how it works. Paul says, I am shocked. I am shocked that you are turning away so soon from God who called you to himself through the loving mercy of Christ. You are following a different way that pretends to be the good news. But it's not the good news at all. You are being fooled by those who deliberately twist the truth concerning Christ. I need to tell you, that's what cultural Christianity does. It twists the truth and changes the truth other than Christ. I have a few more moments with you. And I'll stop with this thought. A biblical Christian, how do you know that you are a Bible-believing Christian? And that the power of God is in you and that you're you're on the right road. One of the features of a biblical Christian is that he or she has a transforming experience and relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. Everybody say transformation. Transformation. Your Bibles perhaps are still open. It will not be on the screen. But Galatians 1 verse 3 says, Paul says, Grace to you and peace from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to this. Jesus Christ, verse 4. Jesus, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, Jesus Christ. Transforming. I I clarify by saying that cultural Christianity is self-transformation, Using the guidance of, guidance of Christian morality. There are people who talk it, but they're not changed. There are people who can quote it, but they're not changed. There are people who study the Bible so they can out-argue you. But they've never experienced Jesus Christ washing away their sins, making old things to pass away, and all things to become new. I hasten. There's probably not a more popular parable in all Scripture than the parable found in Luke's Gospel, chapter 15, that we've come to call the prodigal son. And you know what, most of you? And just, just, to, just to highlight, 
You know, it's about a father who has two sons. The father is a farmer, as was many people of that culture and time. He had acres and he had livestock and he had fields of produce, etc. The father would, everything the father acquired through his adult years and manhood and being a father was all being stored up, property, possessions, house, land, livestock, to one day pass it on to his sons at the right time when they could handle it. The younger of the two sons, you understand, came to his father in a spirit of doing my own thing, living my own way. I want it now. Requested his inheritance, went into a far country, away from dad, from family, took his father's hard-earned money and lived wildly. You know about that. He paid the tab at the restaurant. He paid the tab at the bar. He had money. And as long as he had money, he had people who were willing to party with him, drink with him. If he was living in today's culture and time, he would visit the bars and he'd visit the nightclubs and he would buy the fancy car and he would dress in the best clothes and he'd have the best shoes and, and he, would be, he would be the man to know and be around. But as soon as his money began to be exhausted, his friends began to depart and he found himself without money in a land that was now going through a severe drought. In the middle of the drought, the only employment he could get is that of which slopping hogs. Every evening he had to compete for his evening meal with the hogs. There was no tent over his head at night. There was no roof over his head. There was no padded mattress on which to lay on. There were no clean clothes in which he could shower and get into the next morning or the night before. He was in a hog pen fighting with hogs when it dawned on him. Here is the transformation. It dawned on him. In my father's house where I came from many, many miles away. The house I left and I ruined my father's name and I ruined his reputation. I didn't send him an email, a text, a thank you, nothing. He don't even know if I'm dead or alive because I, I just wanted to be my own man. In that father's house, the servants are doing a whole lot better than me. In that, in that father's house that I left, now I realize that he loved me. How much a fool of myself I made. I think I will arise and go back to the father's house. You know, you know what he said? I, I am hurrying. Uh, uh, but here's transformation. I'm not going to go back and start off from where I left off. I don't deserve that. I'm going to go to my father. I'm going to humble myself and say, I'm, I'm not even worthy to be called your son. You see, here's a contrast of America Christian now. There, there are Christians in America who think they're doing God a great favor by being a Christian. There are Christians in America now who think who, who God saved them and they, they brag about giving up their country music career. You didn't give up nothing, buddy. <laughs> To, to serve the Lord. You heard country music lately? You give up nothing. God rescued you. Uh, l- let me keep going. There, there are Christians, there, there are people, I gave up my Hollywood career. I give up mansions. I g- you didn't give up nothing. The only thing you gave up is your stinking sin that was going to send you to hell. Jesus gave up everything to give you what you got. The long and short of it is he did go home. And he told his father, I'm not worthy to be called your son. I'll feed your hogs. I'll feed your livestock. 
If I could just get a place to shower, if I can get a little clothes, if I a little place, pillow my head. Father, I'll just, you don't owe me nothing. I ruined your name. I ruined the family. I ruined everything about us. I made a mess of my life. I don't even know what kind of diseases I have. And I may die soon, but if you'll just, and the father, father says, pardon me, this is my interpretation. Shut up, boy. You're my boy. Anybody got kids that, that, that sometimes are stray and you know that nothing will separate you from your love for them? If you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, nothing will separate. And the father says, kill the fatted calf. We're going to have a feast. Get another ring. Put it on my boy's finger. And let him know this is my boy. Anybody feeling what I'm feeling? That's what transformation is. I don't deserve it, God. I don't deserve Christianity. I don't deserve salvation. I don't deserve you to even look in my direction. But you took me out of my hog pen of lust and envy and malice and spite and all the junk. You took all the junk out of me. I'm not yet there, but I'm headed home. Bow your heads after you've given the Lord praise. Bow your heads all over the house. In the name of Jesus. i got to transition us in just a few moments. I don't need to preach it anymore. Pastor Allen, I have played the cultural Christianity game, Pastor. I have tried to redefine Christianity because there's some things I didn't want to give up or wasn't ready to give up. Friends, habits, lifestyle. And in my heart, knowing all along, the Holy Spirit was telling me that is not His will for me. I've kept it up and, and I'm, I'm still not delivered, Pastor. But I don't want to play games anymore. My soul is too valuable. Jesus is too good to me. His love and grace is priceless. And I don't want to step and trample over the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross. I need to rededicate my life to Christ today, Pastor. I'm through with the games. I'm coming home. Pray, Christians. Pray under your breath. I'm not going to drag this out, I promise you. But it's worth the time of your few seconds of prayer for some teenager, some single mom, some single dad, some adult, some senior adult, somebody here. Who's thinking, I tried this before and I failed. Try it again. Jesus never fails. Pastor, when you pray this morning, remember me. I need to rededicate my life to Christ. Raise up your hands if that's you. Hold it up. Wonderful. Hold it up. Just hold it up a moment. Nobody's looking. Uh, thank you, Jesus. Hold, hold, just, just hold it up a little longer. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Two. I just want you to know there are people who, who are responding. Maybe 15 of us. Put them down. Everybody stand to your feet. Everybody rise to your feet in Jesus' name. After you've risen to your feet, reach up your arms to the Lord, even if you're stretching. And say, thank you, Jesus, for loving me. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Thank you, Jesus, for giving me a second chance. Come on, if he ever did it for you. Come on, praise him. Praise him that he didn't throw you out with the garbage. Praise him. Praise him that while he could have abandoned you, you have even abandoned him sometime, but he never abandoned you. Come on, raise your voices. I praise you, Lord. I thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Keep them up for a moment. And you know somebody who needs the Lord? You know a prodigal? Pray for them right now. You know a prodigal wife? Pray for her. You know a prodigal husband? Pray for her. Him. Come on. You know a prodigal son or daughter? Right now. Oh, God. They may not be in a literal hog pen, but their, their conditions morally might be just that. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, uh, Brother Sammy, would you have your prayer team come to the front? Be ready to serve the church in the name of Jesus. As they ease out, come on, lift up those hands. Lift your head to what heaven. Father, I just come to you even now and I praise you for your saving grace. I praise you for your saving grace. Oh, hallelujah. Everybody in the house, repeat these words after me. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. I'm not going to lead you wrong. Everybody repeat these words out loud. Lord Jesus, thank you for the truth of your word. You said, we shall know the truth and the truth shall make us free. 
Thank you, Lord, for another chance. Today, I confess that at times I have played Christianity. I have faked it. But today, I want to return to the real, to the authentic walk with God. Wash away all of my sins. Come into every area of my life. Let nothing in my life be anything that diminishes your glory and your power. I believe that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God. I confess Him again as my Savior. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Give Him praise. Come on, give Him some praise. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, help me praise Him. Come on and praise Him. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, you got, you got something we can sing before we go? I guess I've got to praise Him for two more minutes before you leave. How many know God is real in your life? Listen to me. I didn't give you this word this morning just about you. Somebody you meet this week, God will give you a divine appointment. And you need to take some of this truth and say, that's not the truth. This is the way. Sing them we'll, we'll, before we go. Worship with me before you go. Lord, I give you my heart. Lift your hands one more time. Lift, lift one more time. I give you my heart.